0: Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Greetings, everybody. I am Michael Brodeur, and I am the director of Leaders Alliance. And I'm so grateful to be with you today. We're getting a little bit of a late start. But um, I'm excited about our special guest for today, who I will introduce in just a moment. But as we get started, let me just say a couple of words about Leaders Alliance, that we are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are dedicated to seeing God move in our generation. We believe that God is about to pour out his spirit and a massive revival and harvest on the earth where many, many souls will come to Christ in this season, a new great awakening that we're on the verge of. But we also believe that in order to prepare For that, the church needs to up its game. We need to actually strengthen our leadership. We need to actually strengthen our voice and culture. And this is what Leaders Alliance is all about bringing together church leaders, marketplace leaders, and other people to come together in dynamic partnership to see the kingdom of God advance in our generation. And so we do this podcast on a regular basis with different guests from different branches of uh, service to jesus some are church leaders and some are thought leaders today we have a very special leader who had a high place of influence in the marketplace and ultimately was the ceo of a major company called office depot And then after leaving that post, he found Jesus, gave his life to the Lord, and is now serving the Lord with all that he's learned in the marketplace, applying that in the context of kingdom living. So um, I'd like to bring on our guests right now. I have my co-host with me, who is going to be J.T. Monarchek, and J.T. is one of our catalyst leaders over Marketplace Ministry. J.T., why don't you say hi to everybody
1: and introduce yourself uh, briefly, and then we'll introduce Bruce and get going. Thanks. Thanks, Michael. It's good to be with you again. My name is, as he said, J.T. Minarchik. I'm a trial attorney, MBA, uh, was defending doctors and felt the call of the Lord and became the executive director general counsel of Catch the Fire. And I'm now doing both that role as well as uh, with work with Michael. And then I'm a business consultant as well. So I have feet in both camps, uh, both the marketplace and the ministry.
0: And JT has been really with me from the start, helping to uh, bring this whole thing in from vision to reality. So I'm super excited for him to be on this call interviewing our amazing guest today. I want to introduce to you all uh, Bruce Nelson. Bruce has, uh, you know, been in business for, gosh, decades, has been- (laughs) And then. so. Some of the highest places of influence i have been in presidential offices with a private jet and all of that. But he realized also the emptiness of going after those things and ultimately gave his life to Jesus. And he's on a new track now. I'm going to let him share some of the details of his journey. But um, we're so excited to have you on, Bruce. And we... We just are praying, and let's just pray together right now that God would use your testimony to inspire other leaders to find the Lord in the midst of what they're doing and to be able to walk this out uh, kingdom ministry in the marketplace. So, Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And we ask, Lord, that you would invade this call, both those that are watching right now and those that will be watching in the future, that you would speak to their hearts and that you bring a level of transformation to their lives because of the testimony of Bruce Nelson today. So we thank you for that in Jesus' name, amen. So why don't you share with us a bit of your story as we get started? You shared a little bit in our previous members meeting, but it, and it was awesome. Take us through that process again and show share with us your journey in life. <laughs> Thanks,
2: Michael and Um Small beginnings. I'm- born and raised in a small community in Southern Utah, a Mormon community. My mother and father were divorced when I was two. Uh, My father was an alcoholic. Uh, He remarried an alcoholic. I went back and forth between houses. Uh, My father was violent when he drank, uh, physically beat his wife. Uh, I used to hide from it. I don't think I ever was beaten, but I'm not sure doesn't matter anyway, because of a new life. Uh, But that's my beginnings. Uh, I I left my dad, moved to Boise, Idaho, because I couldn't stand my father anymore. And throughout my life, I've had to work. Uh, I worked when I was a young kid on a turkey farm and a milk route, went to Boise, Idaho, went to high school, and I worked in a paper route, a grocery store, I was on the track team. Uh, I went to high school. I didn't apply myself. I wasn't a great student. Uh, and I got a full ride track scholarship to Idaho State University. Um, so I was a good at track. I was very good at track. I was a distance runner. In school, I was there two weeks, student union building, saw a woman walk through the door, a couple hundred feet away, looked at my fraternity brothers and said, who is that? And they said, who? And I said, that woman over there. And they said, I don't know why. And I said, because I'm going to marry her. <laughs> um, a year later, we got married. It took me some time to convince her. It uh, took five years to finish school. I, I worked through school. I was on a full ride, but I still had to work as part of the scholarship. Those little rules were different back then. Uh, I worked in the summers. At a, I was a firefighter on a Forest Service Lookout, worked at a factory, and I got a degree in economics and uh, accounting. I knew where I wanted to work. I knew the company I wanted to work for they would hire me. I don't take no very easily. I kept going back to Boise, Idaho, uh, and talking to the department head I wanted to be hired by. He kept saying no. I kept saying yes. He finally conceded. I went to work for him in a, as an internal auditor. Wow. Uh, he moved to Portland, Oregon a year later, took me with him. Uh, I earned my way up that and I started my trek into corporate America at the ripe age of 21 or 22. Spent wow. 22 years with the same company. I was convinced I was gonna spend a lifetime with him. I started at the bottom. My first management job was to fire twenty-one women who were my mother's age. Oh no! The department was being eliminated. It was the most painful, disruptive, oh. unpleasant part of my life. And but I, I had to do it. Uh, I traveled extensively. I got promoted often. Uh, we finally had a daughter when we when I was thirty-three and my wife same age. We adopted a baby son not too long after that. That's a story I will tell one day because God's hands at work. He was meant to be with us and he got to us in a strange way, but we have a daughter and a son. Um, As I said, I was gonna retire from the company and by the way, they had a good retirement program. Uh, Through a quirk of events, I was interviewed uh, as a reference to one of my old bosses. I'm a straight shooter, as they say. I'm candid. I'm direct. Those was a race of leaders I admire, by the way. When I was done with the interview, which is an hour, the Dutch guy looked at me and said, would you like the job? I said, I don't know the company and I don't know the job. He said, well, why don't you come to Amsterdam? 24 hours later, I was in Amsterdam. 36 hours later, I took the job. I didn't tell my wife. I didn't ask my wife. I called her inform her that I was leaving my company of 22 years and going to work for a foreign company. I worked for him for five years, helped build a substantial U.S. business. They had extensive financial resources. I had extensive knowledge, acquired 13 companies and put them together. By the way, getting entrepreneurs to work together is a little bit like herding cats. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, They don't aspire to uh, business school techniques. (laughs) They're from the old school. They earned their way. Uh, That was a challenge by itself. It was very successful. So successful, in fact, that the the Dutch company decided to take the U.S. company public, decided to do it behind my back. Mm. Uh, my boss didn't tell me, I learned about it in a securious way. And I called him up and said, I quit. I had no severance. I had no bank account. I had no financial resources. I quit. They don't owe me anything. I didn't care. Was 50 years old, two kids in college and no idea what it was going to do. But as I said to the people earlier, I had faith, not God's faith, not the Lord's faith but faith in me, I did. I found a job It wasn't easy. I had to convince the guy to hire me. It was a company in Los Angeles uh, in the direct mail business worldwide. Uh, The industry was being consolidated, big. You had to be big to succeed. Uh, A Couple of things happened. I finally convinced our board and the chairman of the board that we had to be acquired. I, I say I, I did, but I don't mean it in a self-centered way. I orchestrated the merger of Office Depot and Viking. Viking was a public health company. Office Depot was a public health company. The chairman of Viking and I were the two people that went on the Office Depot board. I became a board member and president of Office Depot International. I had a three-year golden handcuffs agreement. I had to stay. In the three years, they had to pay me a lot of money. I was convinced I was gonna leave at the end of three years. I didn't like the company. I didn't have trust in the leadership. I thought it was a messed up place. And I intended to leave. I was in Japan uh, after flying all night. I got a phone call, uh, woke me up and I was irritated because it woke me up. The guy on the phone said, hi, I'm Jim. I'm And I, I know who you are, Jim. And I know you're not calling because to see a homie in Japan. The board <laughs> member says, no, I'm not. I'm calling if you'd like to be the chairman of or the president of the sorry CEO of Office Depot. Wow. I said, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't call my wife. I didn't tell my wife. We lived in Florida. That meant moving to uh I'm sorry, we lived in Los Angeles, it meant moving to Florida. By the way, in the earlier story I didn't tell you, I sat down on the bed after saying yes, reflecting was dark and the chandelier started to swing back and forth in the ceiling <laughs> back and forth and it got violent there was an earthquake in tokyo wow. north of tokyo i sat on the bed i was i didn't know christ i believed in god and i thought to myself i said to myself god is this a message
1: wow.
2: if so what is it well wow. so i just got calm enough to want to get up and open the window or the drapes, and the second wave came. That's after I asked God if this was a message. (laughs) (laughs) I took it, it was, I left Japan, got to Florida, worked out the arrangements with Office Depot, and was running their international business. Wow! I I was running international business became chairman. I spent four years at it. What I worked on in Office Depot were two things. Culture and leadership wow. period. Wow. And I did change the culture and I did change the leadership. I made a couple of really bad mistakes in leadership. Uh, the stock did the way you get measured as a CEO is the stock price. Uh, it did well for four years and then it, then it cratered and, uh, I got a call one morning in Boca Raton, Florida at five o'clock in the morning. Same guy called me in Japan. He said, sure. hi, this is Jim. He said, we'd like you to come to the office. We have, we'd like to talk to you. I said, what about knowing full well what it was about? And he said, why don't you just come to the office? I went to the office, they had a single piece of paper on the desk. It says you resigned to pursue other interests and your contract will be in force.
0: Wow. Before
2: I left the house, my wife said, why? What's that call about? I said I'm going to go get fired, and she said, "Hallelujah, <laughs> maybe I'll get you back."
1: Wow. I haven't
2: known you for five years. Wow. Um, Office people was a life of what I sought my whole career: fame, fortune, uh, private jets, the finest hotels, the finest cars, the finest everything, the finest wow. clothes. I mean, I. I, I just tell you, how sick I was. I had thirty suits that cost five, six thousand dollars each. Wow. I mean, I was dressed to the T because <laughs> I was who I was dressed, what I looked like. That was my image, and I I walked with the world's powerful people. Uh, I, I've been in two presidents of the U.S. office. Uh, personally, met lots of leaders of world <laughs> leaders, lots of famous celebrities. And honestly, they were all empty. Hmm. I was empty and didn't know it. I thought that money would solve everything. Position would solve everything. I thought the more I made, the happier I would get. The bigger position I got, the better off I would be. And all that isn't true. It's not fulfilling. I was empty and I didn't tell anybody about it, including oh my. my wife. Um, but it ended as quickly as it began it was a surprise to get hired, and it was a surprise to get fired. <laughs> I had fired a lot of people in my life, and I always, too, I knew what it was like. <laughs> I didn't know what it was like until it happened. Wow. I went into a state of shock. I didn't know what to do with my life. Didn't know what I was going to do. Frank, I, at that point, had enough money. I didn't have to worry about money. But remember, my whole life was based on who I was, where I went, and who I knew. And that just collapsed um my daughter moved to north carolina decided to start a regenerative farm she's a visionary uh, she started to do things that attracted my attention my wife and i moved to north carolina and i joined her in that venture i i joined her vision because it was a godly vision it wow. was purposeful um she drugged me to church one day and I went a couple of times, and the pastor had an altar call in 2018, and I responded and made Jesus my Lord, not my Savior yet, my Lord. Um, My daughter gave me a Bible. I'd never read the Bible, didn't want to care about the Bible. The Mormon church in that small town where I grew up was so offensive to me. I knew they were wrong. I didn't want to do a church religion, or anything else. So I never went to the Bible. I started to read the Bible, and I, I couldn't get enough of it. I just couldn't. It started to fill something that was empty. Um, I met a guy in Oklahoma through a series of events. He was a minister. He has an evangelistic mission. I went with him to Honduras. Uh, he I asked him to baptize me. I was seventy three or two and never been baptized. He baptized me in the ocean off Honduras. I went down under the water. I wanted to stay there. It was the most peaceful time of my whole life. I came out of the water like I was shot like a cannon. There's a picture of it. And I came out speaking in tongues. (laughs) That's That's how I met the Lord.
0: That's phenomenal. Um,
2: My life, I'm a new person. I now realize what mercy and grace is. I did, I couldn't have defined mercy or grace prior wow. to my meeting Christ. I couldn't, wow. I did what it meant. I know what it means. My life is purpose is now the great commission. It really is. Wow. I want to preach the gospel. I want to help people and bring them to Christ. I want to help leaders who don't know Christ to know Christ and learn about leadership. And I want to help leaders that do know Christ are in the church to be better leaders. I found a minister in Oklahoma that allows me to do that. And the person I took the altar call in North Carolina, he and I are now very close as a result of a prayer of his wife. We meet three, four times a month. He shares his innermost leadership secrets. I share my innermost leadership skills and it's the most rewarding, worthwhile thing I've done outside of being involved in our farm with my daughter.
0: Wow. Such an amazing story. That's a long
2: story, pretty short. Well,
0: we want to dig into some pieces of that. And uh, uh, the first thing that strikes me, though, is obviously, well, let me just share how I met Bruce originally. I was coming (laughs) back to North Carolina. He was going to a funeral. He happened to be assigned to a middle seat in coach. And it happened to be my wife and I gave him the aisle seat. <laughs> and so we were able to, uh, begin this friendship, you know, uh, just talking about his life. And initially we didn't know he was a believer, but then all of a sudden it began to unpack and we just saw, wow, here's an amazing man of God who's hit some of the highest peaks of worldly success. And then ultimately was now brought into a place where he understands kingdom success. And that amazing juxtaposition just totally impressed me. I asked him at the moment, would you please come on one of our podcasts in the future? And so this is the fulfillment of that, but I can tell that we will we'll probably have future times with you as well. Cause there's so much to say concerning what you learned in terms of culture, what you learned in terms of leadership development and team ministry. I mean, some of those things I've gotten to read some of his notes that are, I believe will be a precursor to a book he's writing. And, um, and the, the skills that he's developed in the natural, now, in a sense, being baptized into Christ, <laughs> those skills are now baptized in the Lord. And I believe that you're going to be an amazing mentor to many young leaders who are really trying to find their way, because a lot of leaders I know are, are 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 still enamored with the golden ring, you know, even oh, yeah. even believers, even Christians, uh, yeah. because so much... Uh, there's so much glitter there, you know, talk about that a little oh, bit. Yeah. How, how did you understand both you know, hitting the pinnacle of success, but, but seeing the emptiness, how did that affect you?
2: One word deeply. Well, wow. first of all, I got my wife back. Wow. Or put it another way. She got her husband back. Yes. The one she loved and married. I got my kids back. I, I basically ignored them for their entire life. And, wow. and I got that relationship back. Uh, I, I realized that there isn't a thing in the world, gold, silver, prestige, recognition, awards, clothes, cars, airplanes, hotels, meals. Nothing. Nothing. External can satisfy that which is inside all of us. Nothing god put it there he hid it but he put it there and it's our chore to discover it and when you discover it as i did you become totally new and it changes perspective about life it just does um i'm not afraid of dying i'm not wow Uh, because i know i i know where i'm gonna go because i know the lord but so i'm not afraid of dying and what what can man do to me nothing nothing harm me hurt me and we've had real trials and tribulations on our farm we really have because we've been attacked in thousands of different ways and i can't be hurt Mm -hmm. i mean physically sure who cares uh it's the spirit so Whoa. it's like it, it truly is i i read i would read about people who were saved again and i thought that new they became new and i thought what does that mean you know what do you mean become new yes
1: well you become new amen it's different Bruce. that we you were in our breakout session our, our catalyst section and We asked a question I want to follow up because it segues uh, what Michael said is, you know, for you who have have achieved the the pinnacle of success, you know, in that sense of where, you know, the top job and and the best of everything in that sense. What would you say to a younger self of you or what would you have said, you know, to someone else that's chasing that? Because I thought your answer was profound and I want to make sure our listeners have that as well.
2: Okay, well, I answered the same way, because if you can do that twice, you know, it was the truth. (laughs) (laughs) The first thing I would say is be careful what you ask for. Be Mm -hmm. really careful what you ask for. Do you really want it? And second thing I would say, are you prepared for the sacrifices you'll have to make to do it? Carnal sacrifices Yeah. because they're carnal, but in a way they're spiritual too. But are you prepared for the sacrifices because unless you're dropped in or you own the company, you're not going to rise to the highest level without sacrificing some elements of your life. There's too many things that pull you in too many directions. And so careful what you ask for. And then I would say, and I probably didn't say this clear enough is keep your compass, your moral compass. Mm. You're going to get me tempted by lots of things. You will. And, Trust me when I say I was carnal. Trust me. Um, Um, And those 10, I I didn't, the one thing I didn't do, and by the way, I believe had the opportunity. I didn't sell my soul. I wouldn't do it. And I can give you some examples where at the time, I mean, I ended up with a fair amount of wealth. I could have had an enormous amount of wealth, enormous. I wouldn't do it. Because it involves selling my soul, and I wouldn't cross that line. I did things in the Bible. My favorite Bible verse is David and Bathsheba. Mm. I've sinned before your eyes. Yeah. You know, forgive me. I've sinned before your very eyes. I, I didn't know it, but I did know it. Does that make any sense?
0: No, absolutely. Now that you look back, you know, you're you're you, you know you've come to the Lord literally 4 or 5 years ago. And that's right. that's a phenomenal thing and and, and just yeah. I mean it's just but your passion for Jesus is so strong and it just was so impressive to me. <clears throat> As you look back, obviously you can note all of the sinful things or the carnal things or the the idolatrous things of putting wealth uh, from, in yeah. front of your your family and your kids. What would you say was redemptive? Like, as you look at the fingerprints of God through all those years of labor, both, you know, in different companies, and then ultimately as a CEO of a major company, what would you say God has redeemed now? Or in a sense, he's purchased back for you as treasure, as something of value that you now carry?
2: My conscious.
0: Ooh, that's a big one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah
2: my conscience, well wow. for all the things I did against him well wow. for all the things I did against my my family uh, if my my wife who now we've been together 57 years should have divorced me well wow. She should have I would have divorced me <laughs> that's all been redeemed I, I spent wow. 50 years from away from my family I see my son and my daughter almost every single day.
0: That's so good. And I see
2: my granddaughter literally every single day. Wow. That's redemptive. There's another redemptive thing. I I had two sisters. Uh, One died. She grew up in the Mormon church, although she buckled away from it like I did. I wasn't sure she knew Christ. So uh, she was sick. Her husband called me and told me she was dying. I went to see her in Salt Lake City, and I talked about the gospel to her. And and I told her, I read some things about dying, and I said, from what I read, follow the white light. Mm. Follow the white light. Wow. And those are the last words I said to her. About six months later, a friend of mine called out of the blue and said, I have a message for you and I don't know what it means. He doesn't know that I have a sister. And I said, what's the message? He said, your sister made it. Does that mean anything to you?
0: That is awesome. Yeah, a lot. (laughs) That's awesome.
1: That that's profound, you know, uh, Bruce, Uh, I got some private chats that people uh, after our last segment were really, really stirred up by how you live your life with integrity of how you've been able to you you carry the message, you're not just telling the message. And so I want to kind of shift the idea is that this. This group is about leadership, but it's in all aspects. Jesus can be in every aspect of our life, from from government to marketplace, to you know, and all those things. And we had some delightful conversations of how how do we get those two worlds together? How do we get the the church life together, the ministry life together with uh, the marketplace? Because ninety eight percent of people aren't in paid Christian vocation, but they're still gospel carriers. How how do you like to see those two worlds come together and work in a synergistic way, all for Christ, but in different facets of Jesus' expression? Yeah, I, I'm not sure I have the full answer to this, but
2: I'd listen to some things that I think, Michael, you said earlier today and some other comments. Um, I guess I'd answer the question by, and I hadn't thought about this before, but, you know, my idea of a church was they involved business when they needed money. We have a fundraiser. Let's yeah. go put on the committee, the head of whatever, office people, right. you know, <laughs> and so you reach out to business leaders because they have access to funds. You know, that's not, that's good because you can get financial resources, but I believe the ministry and pastors have to reach out to business leaders and say, humbly say, can you help me? Not financially. I'm not yeah. after your money. Yeah. I'm after what you know. You've got an expertise in something I don't know. Yes. You know something about the world I don't have experience in. Can you help me? That takes humility on the pastor's part or the minister's part. And then it takes a willingness on the business leader parts to say, yeah, I'll do that. But my experience is, a whole, I don't know if it's the most, but lots of business would, would business would, would respond to that, even if they're not believers. Because down deep inside of most people is a desire to help. Hmm. And I think if a pastor minister could reach out into his or her community and find some target, somebody, right. find somebody that, that's got expertise or experience and say, listen, help me. That's what my pastor did. And right. I said on the earlier call, I, right. I've given some things to the church. I will not allow my name to be on it. I won't. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I mean, I bought chairs for his new sanctuary. Right. He and I know that. Yeah. The guy that runs his finances know that, but I don't want the church to know that. Right. Because I don't want misunderstanding between my relationship with the minister or the right. pastor. I want it clean. Uh, yeah. He's really taking an interesting step. I don't know where it's going to go this coming Tuesday. He's asked me to sit in on his board meeting Wow! and observe. Wow. And I don't know what he's got in mind. He did that by text today. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. But <laughs> I think it's ask. It's, you know, Jesus says, ask and you shall receive. Seek yeah. and you'll find. The minister, the pastors, I believe, are the ones that are going to have to reach out. I don't think the business leader is going to reach in first. I don't, generally speaking.
0: Now, there may be a a concept that is kind of emerging recently that you may not be familiar with, because we talked about, obviously, business leaders as a funding source for the church, which is sort of the lowest rung on the ladder. You bringing your expertise into a church setting and really helping pastors who most of them have never been trained in leadership skills and they don't know how to develop people effectively and so forth whereas that's that's how you know the the marketplace is making its money is by you know really developing people and continuing to profit from their service in their midst okay there's another facet i want to just present to you and see if you have any comments on which is this idea of marketplace leaders being in a sense co-equal ministers even though their mission field is different than the average church leader. Give me your thoughts on that, because that's one thing we're going after. We want to help those that are in the 98% who don't make their money behind a pulpit. How do they actually walk out their kingdom commitment to Jesus in the context of business or government or education or medicine or whatever it is? Talk about that a little bit. Yeah,
2: I think... That that's a good question. I think requires considerable reflection. Uh, my instant answer is: I would say that for a believer who's in business, we're known by our works. Mm. Period. Yeah. And and what I what I try to do now is when, you know, I I, I used this is a different way of thinking, but I used to think when I go to the Starbucks in Boca Raton, Florida. And have a cup of coffee i walked in and inside of myself is i would say i'm the chairman of office depot (laughs) you know i'm important yeah that's what the voice said inside of me now i go into starbucks and what the voice inside of me said is i want them to see me as a man of god yeah (laughs) i want to be so different that somebody says what happened to you right or where did you get that yeah. It, it's it's the, that's the believer side. They're a believer, it's works. The non-believer side, that's a harder, that's harder because how do you get in? Uh, but it's our works, our actions. It's maintaining our, you can still succeed in business.
1: Mm-hmm. You treat
2: people with dignity. You know what it is? And I didn't say this in the first session because this has totally changed my view of leadership. I used to view that everyone worked for me. Mm. I had 55,000 people at office people that worked for me. Wow. Well, guess what? (laughs) I should have been working for them. Yes. And I discovered in my journey to Christ, servant leadership. Wow. And I've concluded the best servant leadership I've ever known in in place is Jesus. And the second best was Moses. Hmm. Servant leadership. Servant leadership says, how do I make it easier for you to do your job? Servant leadership says, what tools or what could you could I get for you that would make it easier for you to be successful? Mm-hmm. Serve others. Mm-hmm. And I somehow, if we can get that ingrained in leadership, leadership is about. You know, when you when you when when I grew up, it was like, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to be in charge of somebody. I'm now their boss. Yeah. That seemed great. We have to change that to say, now I'm going to get more responsibility so I can serve more people. Wow. Servant leadership.
0: Wow. That is such a good message. And that actually applies to pastors as well. <laughs> I mean, many pastors I know are like, come to my church. I have a perfect plan for your life. You know, instead of I'm here as a spiritual father or mother to make you. Go beyond me into your, you know, fulfilling God's will for your life. That sort of shift from it's all centered to me is, you know, in other words, a, a factory owner, you know, everything exists for his benefit. But Correct. family leader, everything exists for the benefit of the next generation.
2: Yeah. The other thing I discovered is because I, the, the pastor I'm talking about has allowed me to sit with his leadership group multiple times. Yes. Speak to them. Have dialogue and interaction with them, and because I I was so had church adverse if you call it a religion adverse, I just assumed that if you were involved with in the church, you thought like church should think. You cared for people. You were kind and considerate because you were Christian or you were nice. And what I discovered was, you inherently have the same issues with leading people who are working in the ministry as you do in the secular world there is no difference
0: yeah
2: and in fact i could argue that my experience in the religion in the in the in the non-secular world is people are often paid less than they might get paid in the secular world and therefore it's a harder job to get them to follow you
1: because you
2: lack one power and if, particular, if they're a volunteer, you lack one power that's pretty key. <laughs> you can't fire them.
0: Yes. Indeed.
2: Well, churches depend on volunteer leadership. Wow. wow. So how do you get them to say, I want to do this? You can't right. threaten them with loss of a job. Yeah. That's absolutely true. That takes a particular kind of skill, insight to people, understanding how people work and function, understand how groups work, how understand how teams work.
1: Yes. Understand
2: how decisions are made and communicated. It gets you right into the heart of leadership. And I, I think the church is absent that for the most part. Sure. My limited experience would say
1: that. Yeah. That's really good, Bruce. Uh, Servant leadership and understanding, you know, of leading volunteers. And someone once said, I think it was Duncan, that if you look behind you and you call yourself a leader and there's no one following you, you're not leading anything. You're not really a leader. Um, And so it's good to see that, that you were able to see both. One of the things I picked up on in your story is that for a lot of your life until 19 or 2018, you built your identity in a lot of things other than Christ. Identity is an interesting topic right now, identifying your career success or, or, you know, you're a Packers fan, a Steelers fan, whatever it is. You know, how would you speak to the younger generation that are seeking their identity in things other than Christ Jesus as the bedrock? I would do my best to try to
2: explain to them that you will not find who you are outside of yourself. If you look to the world to define who you are, I'm a Bengal fan, or I'm a bear fan, or whatever, or I'm a Knicks fan, or, or I'm a celebrity fan. If you, It's empty, and I believe that people know it's empty. I believe they feel it's empty, but they don't know it's empty, if I can say that. I believe there's that mechanism, because again, I believe God put that in their heart that but it's hidden and so i would just say identity is never going to be on the outside Mm -hmm. and i i i think i could bring some credibility to that because i've experienced it because after all (laughs) in a way we only believe what we've experienced or you only believe truly if someone's had experience If, if if you say michael you can through the power of the Holy spirit, bring people back from the dead. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say, I I, I would say if I'm a non-Christian, well, tell me about that. (laughs) Yeah. I want to know if that's true. Yeah. And so that's how we try to answer it. The identity is it's not going to be in the inside. It's not. Yet our entire society our entertainment sports, I mean, everything is geared to external energy, The clothes you wear, the car you drive. Yeah. You know, I used to, I'm probably, I went to a meeting with 100 CEOs called the, corp, the top 100 CEOs of the, of the U.S. You know what the topic of conversation is? How big is your airplane? Wow. Yeah. That's cocktail talk. Wow. Now you get in the meeting and Jack Welch is speaking and blah, blah, blah. But the cocktail type is, uh, what's your jet? Yeah, you know, where's your? Do you have a second home? Where is it? Yes. External stuff.
0: Wow, that's so good. I mean, I feel like uh, what you're what you're talking about, identity is crucial. Destiny is also crucial,
1: and I feel like what you're uh, doing at this time is yeah. you're
0: stepping into your destiny, your God given purpose, not your world world manufactured purpose, and. Sure. Uh, I want to explore that a little bit, because obviously one of the things that I believe you can bring to the body of Christ is the distilled, uh, rede- redeemed impression of some of the things you learned in the marketplace. You know, you talked a little bit about servant leadership. I believe that's one of the key principles that every Christian leader needs to know. Um, can you kind of unpack a few other things? You talked about team, for instance. How do you get a group of people that are diverse from one another and they... You know, they don't have a lot in common, maybe. How do you get them operating in the same flow together and doing their part to help the overall move forward? Things like that. Let's
2: let's shift a little bit and explore some of those ideas. I I think there's one key to all of this. It's the Mm -hmm. foundation in which all leadership is built, all influence is built. And that one key is trust slash confidence trust is personal yes. how do you get people to develop trust well wow. trust in leadership trust in each other and this is one of the terms I defined when I was a leader I, I my, my definition my, my definition of trust is to have no hidden agendas Wow. how many times have any of you gone into a meeting with anybody? And you get this strange feeling. Okay, what's the agenda? <laughs> and yes. and all the time that's that's going on, you're looking for the agenda. You can't have hidden agendas. You have to be upfront. You wow. have to be able to hold confidences. Think wow. about the ministry. This for a minute, man. Look at what a minister learns about people, yeah. or his staff or her staff learns about people. You cannot break a confidence. And you know what? Everybody want everybody want everybody. It's too too much. Everybody likes to share what. Hey, did you hear about? It? It's gossip. Yes. It's gossip. You can't break a confidence. You have to be open and truthful as possible. You say, what does that mean? Somebody comes up to me as the chairman of the board of Office Depot and said, I heard we're buying staples. How do I answer that? And be truthful open as I possibly can. There's only one way. I mm-hmm. have no comment. Wow. <laughs> and I have to be consistent with that. Yeah. I have no comment. Yeah. To be to to be open and forthright, truthful and not deceitful, and then to be direct. What do I believe people in life have the most difficulty with in relationship is being direct. Because mm. direct sounds like you're hurting. And by the way, if you're too direct, they may not like you. You have to understand the difference between being liked and being respected. Mm. And you have to be direct. What does direct means? Let me tell you your strengths and let me tell you the areas where you have to improve. Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to know where they stand. I don't care if they're a volunteer, if they're a $10 million executive, where do I stand? Be yes. direct. That's that is so- the foundation. I think the second part then is culture because every organization has culture. Mm-hmm. Some define it. Others let the organization define it. But mm-hmm. everyone has it. And you want to know what culture is? Go talk to people and ask them what, what's, what things are tolerated, what things are not tolerated. Mm. What's the culture of a company? Wow. And it's the attitudes and beliefs and actions of the collective body. Mm-hmm. And you've got to get at that. yeah. And so those are the two foundations, I believe, that leaderships have to build. Understand the culture and develop trust. That's so good. By the way, both of those things are measurable. Trust is measurable. And you can measure people's confidence in the culture. You can. I mean, there yes. are people that, so these are not uh, fluffy things. These are
1: data-proven things.
0: Absolutely.
1: Wow. You know, one of the things that you picked up on that you make making me think is that you want to have, you know, a culture and you want to have these conversations. And, as, you know, as you as you have inside information and especially in ministry, you know, you're in the people business and you have this. So how do you walk a life of transparency and vulnerability, but by still keeping trust that you're not breaking confidences, that you can still have this authentic uh, walk and still speak into people's lives but being transparent yourself without divulging too much, you know, where do you find that balance?
2: I don't think there is a balance. <laughs> I, I I think if someone says to you, I'm telling you this in confidence, I think you take it to the grave unless mm-hmm. it's life threatening or it involves the safety of, of a lot of other people. I think mm-hmm. you take it to the grave. I don't think you reveal it. I don't yeah. think there's a compromise. I don't. Right. I, I, you have to honor that.
1: As painful as it might be, you have to honor it. Yeah. That's well, really good. I think I asked it in a poor way. I meant, how do you live a I'm transparent, sure. vulnerable life by still being a leader? You know, in that area. Sorry, I may have uh, I'm framed it. My yeah. part.
2: I think you just, I, the answer a good question, JT. I, I don't know if I got a good answer for it. Uh, I believe there's a direct correlation between the openness we have and the trust and confidence people have with us or about us. I just do. Yeah. <clears throat> now there's a line where you don't cross. I, there always is. What's that line? It depends. Yeah. But I, I just think as a leader you have to be open sometimes to the point where it hurts Mm -hmm. put another way you have to take risks sometimes about openness Mm -hmm. but you have to have discernment judgment yeah and you'll make mistakes but i believe openness is a key foundation i I, you know as a as when you get to the to it to the Head of a large company, as I was. <laughs> There's transparency, whether you want it or not. I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're in the public eye, and wow. uh, and er- and everyone watches you, listens to every word you say. Uh, your name is in the. I mean, you wake up and your name is in the paper. Do you know that Mr. Nelson just bought a six million dollar house? Blah blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Right. So. The higher you go, the more transparency comes from external sources.
0: Wow. My
2: my philosophy has become, hey, let's get ahead of that one. Mm-hmm. Let me just tell you as much as I can about me. So you know, I would share some of my background with the people that I worked with.
1: Mm-hmm. Why?
2: Because they because they sometimes they that makes sense of why I react. But why respond? You know, may, maybe it gives some insight to me as a human being. Because in mm-hmm. the end, they want to know are you a human? Because you have all the, the the attributes of not being human. You're mm-hmm. on this pedestal, and you make money, and you everybody does a favor. You want tickets to something? I'll make a call for you. What do you want tickets to? Hmm. Uh, that's a long answer, and I don't know if it answers it very well.
0: No, it does. And obviously, there's there's a book out that was done a couple years ago, called the five dysfunctions of a team by a guy Mm. named Lance. And uh, he identified what you identified trust was the number one dysfunction that if you cannot generate or if you violate trust as a leader, you will have a dysfunctional team, and your team will be looking for the hidden agendas. And they'll be operating in a set of misguided uh, expectations and there will actually be team failure. And and I feel like, you know, as we as we look at this, I mean, you're you're running a farm with your family. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know exactly what your leadership role is there, but it sounds like your daughter's the primary leader. She is. How, how do you guys work together on that cuz obviously there's a lot to do. <laughs> you probably well, have, you know, tell me a little bit about this business. Not, not so much the Home Depot side, but the, the, uh, what is it called? Uh, reverence farm. Is that, is that yeah. the name? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about how that works and how your leadership principles kind of play out in that world, because it's one other layer
2: of difficulty with family sometimes. <laughs> By the way, I, I'm going to tell you, this is a lot more difficult than it was being CEO of office Depot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Cause it's family. She's my daughter. Yeah. And, And I, in her organization, for her to succeed, I cannot be seen as the leader. I cannot. Wow. So one of the roles we defined that I, that I defined for her and communicated the organization is I'm her wingman. Mm. The movie Top Gun. Yeah. And the wingman never seeks glory for himself. Mm -hmm. He's behind the scenes protecting the pilot. That's cool. I'm behind the scenes as much as my eagle lets me be. And that's (laughs) been a challenge at times. So that I'm her wingman. Wow. And so I won't. Now, this has been a really struggle. And by the way, after I was born again, I still hadn't resolved this issue of pride mm. and offense. Yeah. And we sit in meetings and her methods would both offend me and hurt my pride. Yeah. And it caused serious family disruption. Wow. And it's frankly, it's only been in the last year that we brought peace to that really. Wow. Cause of me, mostly cause of me. Cause I, I'd, I, I'd, I, I'd, see what she wanted to make a decision and I would say to myself this is crazy but I'd go doesn't she know who I am (laughs) doesn't she understand what chair I've sat in yeah and man that's that was harder to give up than a private jet wow (laughs) so I'm a wingman um I give her my opinions more mostly privately wow um because I have to she as I said, she's a visionary. I'm not. And I'm I wasn't a visionary at Office Depot. I wasn't. Mm. I can implement stuff and I can get stuff done. And wow. I know how to work through people to get stuff done. But That's don't amazing. ask me for the vision. Don't wow. ask me for the dream.
0: That's amazing. I, I so just hear go ahead. Go ahead. You do, JT.
1: Yeah. I, you know, what's amazing is in the time we've got to connect today, you know, you've talked about how you walked after everything else and kind of let your wife run the house and raise the kids. And it's almost like it's the prodigal father coming home and it's such a beautiful redemption. Uh-huh. You know, what are some of the amazing things now that you, you share a home with both your daughter and your grandkids, like what are some of the redemptive qualities now as the prodigal dad has come back home, even being the wingman to his daughter, it's just such a beautiful story.
2: Oh, it is. I mean, it, it's it's mercy and it's grace it is it, the real it's just mercy and grace i mean i told you we we because my my daughter's a farmer that's a tough life my wife and i've co-raised her daughter i can't tell you how rewarding that is mm. i'm a lot better grandpa than i was a father okay <laughs> a lot um, and I and I the experience I had and the, the meeting Christ have all had an impact on that and that there used to be a Mastercard commercial you know what's that worth it's priceless yep. yes. <laughs> it's priceless wow. you can't buy this stuff
0: yeah absolutely. You can't. Wow. Well, regrettably, we need to call, bring this time to a close. (laughs) You said that you don't have a lot of dream or vision dynamic, that you're more of an implementer. I want to ask you about your vision for this next season of your life. You know, obviously. Come here a minute.
2: So I want you to blow your head. Whoa. (laughs) Hello. This would be my granddaughter.
0: Excellent. What's your name, granddaughter? Vivian. Vivian. Awesome. Good to meet you. Excellent. Well, tell me about like, obviously, you're you're full of amazing skills, wisdom, uh, counsel, abilities that you've cultivated over years. They've now come under that redemptive relationship with Jesus. Um, you have so much to give to the greater purposes of God. Um, what do you see as that purpose unfolding? How do you how do you look at the next, let's say, five, ten years of your life and and you know how do you assess what yeah. you're what you can contribute in this coming season?
2: Okay, well, I don't know if it's first. I am almost through my first year of an online minister degree. Good. It's a two year program, and I intend to get ordained at the end of it good um i want to preach good i do i i don't know where yet i don't know in front of whom but i want to preach to both the saved and the unsaved i want to tell my story wow i do i want to share about you know i went to honduras and that's a poor country and I want to share my story, Two is I, I, I found enormous um, joy in my relationship with my the, the pastor of the church. Mm. I've watched him grow in a year and a half. I have before my very eyes. He's different. He's wow. a better leader
0: wow. now,
2: not because of me, per se but because he was open to listen and he lets his defenses down and he admits his foibles and faults mm. and he says i accept that i accept that wow. word you just gave me wow man i find that rewarding gosh i want to preach the gospel i do i want to preach the good news wow where and how i that's not quite clear to me yet i wow. know it involves in a larger sense, teaching. I have a lot to say about leadership. I good. do. And it's experiential. It's not book. I was a terrible student. <laughs> I mean, I really was. Yeah. I didn't, this is not book learning. Now, I the the, the, the background I got, which was in accounting and economics, helped me a lot. Yes. This isn't book learning. This is experiential. That's so good. There are a few things where I can't say to somebody, I haven't done that. Leadership yeah. wise. <laughs> that's or right. I haven't been there. There are a few. I'm sure there's some. Don't I'm not trying to be self-centered. I'm just saying I've seen the grand the gamut of it all. Yeah. And I and and I found out there's no difference between somebody that makes five million a year and somebody that makes five thousand a year. They have the same issues. Right. They respond the same way to leadership. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to do. That I don't excellent. I don't figure it out I, I know the what I know the I know the how I don't know the where yet yeah Does that make sense
0: yeah for sure and may we be one of the platforms that you can yes.
1: you know be a part of JT any final words as we wrap this up I just want to say thank you so much Bruce for your laid down servant leadership that is such an a a, a sharing for everybody and we've been really blessed uh, and look forward to our future relationship. Since we're both North Carolina based, we may cross paths in the near future. I hope
2: we do. And the thing I want to leave all of you with in the group, the is, I said in the when it started this morning, I want to end this way. Man, I used to like to talk to get up and brag to people. I hope none of this has come off that way. This is about God's glory, not mine. This is about the gifts he's given me. Not that I'm so... I can use the word muck and fudge. I'm not. <laughs> it's that I've been given gifts and opportunities and gifts of the spirit. And this is about God. I'm mm. just an instrument. And I, I'm I'm trying to be a better one. I made some new resolutions. I don't believe in them, but this year I did. I want to be, I want to get closer to God. Every single day I want to be closer to God.
0: Mm, I do. Man. So good. that's one of
2: my resolutions. I work at it. I read. I read the scripture. I spend studying and hours at it. Uh, trouble at my age, my memory is not as it once good was, <laughs> and and so that's a struggle. Yeah, particularly when it comes to memorizing scripture. But I wow. want to help people.
0: Amen. Well, we're so excited about that, and and also the future that we have together. And I just believe that God set us up uh, with a, you know, what we call a. I do too. Fine appointment, and uh, I'm excited. I do too walking this out. Can you just say a short prayer for all of us, you know, JT sure. and I, and also for the listeners in the future yeah.
2: and just bless them with what God's given you. Father, we come today and thank you and praise you. We praise you for your magnificence, for your glory. We praise and thank you for your mercy and grace. We praise and thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. We yeah. praise you and thank you for salvation and redemption. We praise you for the skills and the gifts you've given us. We praise and thank you for the opportunity to learn from each other. Mm -hmm. We praise you and thank you for the opportunity to give back with so much that's been given to us. We Mm -hmm. thank you for the people who listen today. We pray that the power of the Spirit, whatever was said by any of us, is heard through the Spirit, through the filter of the Spirit, and to hear that. there's purpose behind you and your will. We're grateful to be your servant. We thank you for this day. We thank you for your presence. We do this in the name and the power of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, God bless all of you. Thank you for tuning in and spending some time with us. I hope it's been really helpful for you and certainly subscribe to our YouTube. We'd love to have you there. Subscribe to our social media as well. And we would love to just be uh, serving you by providing great interactions with amazing leaders over the weeks and months to come.